You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotroncom agony. Michio Kaku's new book is The Future of the Mind, The Scientific Quest to Understand, Enhance, and Empower the Mind. Michio, could you read from your book? My own personal philosophy is that if something is consistent with the laws of physics, then it becomes an engineering and economics problem to build it. The engineering and economic hurdles may be formidable, of course, making it impractical for the present, but nonetheless, it is still possible. Michio, I'm wondering if you could talk about the three levels of consciousness that you describe in this book. I define consciousness as the feedback loops necessary to create a model of yourself with regards to space. That's what reptiles do. They understand space very well. Also with regards to other beings, that's monkey consciousness. That's level two consciousness, which requires emotions. And then with regards to time, that's level three consciousness, and that allows us to predict the future. Humans are prediction machines. Animals have no conception of tomorrow, but humans are obsessed with planning, with forecasting the future, with making scenarios of the future, and daydreaming. That is level three consciousness, human consciousness. I'd like you to talk about the influence of science fiction on your work in this book and on science itself, because science fiction gets ahead of science, but the science catches up with it sometimes. Science fiction has inspired some of the greatest discoveries of all time. Edwin Hubble was destined to become a country lawyer, but he read Jules Verne as a child. He quit being a lawyer went to the University of Chicago, became an astronomer, and discovered the expanding universe, which makes possible the Big Bang Theory. The greatest astronomical discovery of the 20th century was done by somebody who was enamored of science fiction. Carl Sagan, the great astronomer, read Edgar Rice Burroughs' John Carter of Mars, and he dreamed about chasing Dejah Thoris, the beautiful Martian princess over the sands of Mars, and that helped to inspire the space program. One of the things that makes this book so interesting is the way you bring science fiction concepts to life and show us that these things already exist. Telekinesis, telepathy. We already have these things, don't we? I'm a science fiction buff, and I'm a sucker for special effects. However, I'm a physicist. And as a child, I knew that all those films about telepathy, telekinesis, recording memories, even as a child, I knew it was all bunk. However, I'm a physicist now, and now I realize that we can do it. Physics, not imagination, but physics guided by imagination, has now made possible telepathy, telekinesis, recording memories, photographing a dream. We can do all of the above today thanks to physics, which was inspired by the imagination. One of the things that I thought was really great about this book was your vision of neuroscience as a means of changing our economy and changing our lives. I'd like you to talk a little bit about the way that's going to work for us. This is not an academic question. It has enormous philosophical, political, and social implications. If we have a brain pacemaker, that could help us deal with Alzheimer's disease, one of the greatest problems 
facing an aging population. Or think of mental illness. Perhaps 15% of the human population at some point or other has had an episode of mental illness. And think of unemployment, the number one issue facing our country today. Wouldn't it be great if we can retrain workers by simply pushing a button and have them learn all the new skills necessary to be part of the new economy as soon as they become unemployed workers? Michio Kaku's new book is The Future of the Mind. With time to read, I'm Rick Kleffel. Thank you for joining me, Michio. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotron.com slash agony.